What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, a podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, divorce coach, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Dr. Lee Jerome. Uh, Dr. Jerome, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Hi, I'm Dr. Lee Jerome. I'm a clinical psychologist in New York City, and I provide psychotherapy with expertise across a range of specialties, including relationships, gender, empathy, uh, the arts and creativity, long COVID and chronic illness, Mm -hmm. virtual environments, leadership, social change and activism, psychopathology, stress, and self-love. I work with a range of people, uh, individuals, couples, and groups. And I help people develop insights into troubling thought and behavior patterns, uh, cultivate positive solutions to address conflicts and struggles in life, explore new pathways for post-traumatic growth, face challenging transitions, and forge purposeful integration in order to foster delight, creativity, and fulfillment in life. I'm also a mixed media installation artist and founder of Relational Space, a 501c3 nonprofit gallery here in New York that brings artists and scientists together to collaborate and co-curate immersive installations for positive social change. Our vision is to build a more just and sustainable world inspired through art and informed by truth. Hmm. Thank you for having me here today. Oh, yeah. No, you're welcome. Thanks for doing this. So and how I found you is I, I believe uh, I came across, a, I think, Psychology Today blog post. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talked about uh, negative thought loops. And that's yeah. always something that when you're going through something difficult and traumatic uh, or, or actually just life in general, uh, those those things can happen. You can get stuck in your head in, in a uh, in a negative thought loop. So so first, but let's define it. What is okay. a negative thought loop? Yeah, it's, it's a good topic to talk about because <clears throat> negative thought loops are not a problem. They're the normative way that our mind operates. Our brains are always working uh, during waking hours as well as at sleep. Uh, our brains are continuously active. And so the, since the brain is, uh, the brain is active, uh, taking in information from the environment through all of your senses. So what you see, what you hear, what you think, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, And then we focus on the things that are the most important, and that's the way our brain works. So it's the mind's, it's natural for the mind to drift and move from one topic to the other. It's kind of sifting through the information that's out there and pinging on those things that are the most important. Um, So the brain's healthy default mode is really wandering from topic to topic. And our brain has, um, has a tendency or a uh, bias, a negativity bias. So the brain reacts with a greater surge of neural activity uh, when we register something that's negative. And there's a reason for this. I mean, Hmm. uh, evolutionarily speaking, we are very primed to be aware of danger and things yeah. that are going to harm us right in the environment. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so the surge of activity means that we're um, looking at the negative information and, you know, trying to pay attention to that um, negativity in the environment in order to know when, uh, 
when we don't have to be alert anymore um, for dangers. So a negative thought loop is kind of the extension of that. So it's natural for the mind to wander. It's natural for the mind to spend more time focused on negative data because it's more important. It's more likely to harm us. But yeah, but what that means is that it also, um, our brains are, since our brains are hardwired with this negativity bias, um, it means we're more likely to remember negative events Um, We remember them more vividly. We dwell on them more intensely. And it can lead us to overlooking other things in the environment, the positive things, the, you know, the joy and the the, the nice things that people say to us. And we're more likely to remember and to focus on traumatic events and negative stimuli. Um, So a negative thought loop is when you kind of get stuck in that. So, you know, the mind goes there naturally. Um, You start thinking about these negative things, often things that have happened in the past or things that you're worried about happening in the future. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And so that negative thought loop is like, you know, when when you become obsessive kind of or, you know, ruminate on things and you just turn it over and over and over into your in your mind. That's a negative thought loop. Yeah, I can. uh, I think all of us can relate. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's something that we all experience. So. Um, and there's, um, I think, well, can I just speak to that? It is yeah. it's not something that I've, it's not something that most of us experience. It is normal. And I think that's really the most important thing to realize is you're not doing something wrong because right. you are having these negative thoughts. It's the loop. It's when you get the obsessiveness, when you just let it spin and spin around your mind, but, but everybody, ha- I mean, that's yeah. the way our brain works. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, because it's, it's, it's prevalent, it's, it's in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's wise of us to figure out, uh, ways, uh, to stop it, to, to uh, eliminate it in that moment. Uh, not, not forever. As you said, it's a normal, natural thing. Um, Correct. what are some of the ways that we can stop these negative thought loops? Well, you know, I've been, I was thinking about this uh, before coming on today, and um, I was thinking particularly about, um, you know, people who have experienced separations, divorce, breakups, that kind of thing. And, you know, that is clearly a negative event. I mean, oh, yeah. if you if you look at the list, and I know this is going a little bit outside of your question. I hope that's okay. But Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you look at like the 10 top stressors that a person can experience in life, Five of them have to do with relationships. Mm. Um, one, of course, is the death of a spouse or a child, which is the top stressor, yeah. which is horrible. Yeah. But divorce, separation, getting married, or beca- or reconciling, those are all in the top 10 <laughs> things. And so I think it's important to realize that this is a really negative event that's yeah. happened. And even if it's a relationship that's like, you know, it's really time to move on, it's been really negative it's been you know even even then it's just really a traumatic event and so i guess the first thing you want to do to go back to your question is is to to respect your own trauma to realize that you know losing someone is um is something that takes 
one to three years to accommodate in your life. That doesn't mean you're going to be miserable for three years, but it means that adjustment process, the normal adjustment process is one to three years. So I think the first thing to do is to stop trying to get rid of the negativity in your brain. Mm. You definitely want to try to get rid of the loop. Sure. But yeah, but but to become curious about it, to say, what am, what am I, why am I, why do I keep going back to this, you know, the same loop? What is it that I'm trying to achieve? So really awareness is the first step mm. to step back from it and consider, um, consider what you're thinking and what you're feeling neutrally, because it's really easy to get down on yourself sure. and, um, you know, and, and to make really amplify the situation by feeling bad about feeling bad. Right. Um, which, which just puts you into another negative thought loop. Sure. So yeah, the first I, thing, oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, no, another, another common one, I think uh, that, as you say, um, you know, when you're going through something and you're, you're already upset and then you sort of get upset for being upset. <laughs> so absolutely you, you pile That's- on yourself. Um, yeah. uh, so and you're I, bringing things like shame onto yourself. Uh, oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So, so first no, thing to do is I just will. to be sort of conscious of this, like, okay, this is really hard and that's okay. I, I can, I can, it can be, I can be feeling bad and that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. It's actually very normal. That's correct. And I think that by stepping back and trying to be curious about what you're thinking about, it also orients you differently. There's no way to lose someone that you've been in a relationship with. Mm. I don't care for how, I don't care how long it's been. I don't care how intense the breakups, but there's no way for that to happen without you going through a period of adjustment because you've, you've put all of your hopes and dreams into this relationship. You know, you have, plans you have uh you you you've developed a life and for men um it's often the case that a man just because of the way society you know uh kind of sets out roles for men it's very easy for a for men to be in a relationship in such a way that when they come out, they don't have social supports because that's maybe been their spouse's kind of domain, or they don't have planning skills or really the skills to just go out and, you know, make friends and to be sure. a part of things or to get them think, get their needs met or to think about what they're feeling and identify sure. it. Yeah. And, you know, those are all things that you're going to have to develop, which is, Skill building is definitely possible. I mean, that's cool. You know, that's going to happen. So I think that by stepping back and being curious about what you're feeling, you can start to identify, oh, wow, I don't think I'm very good at knowing what I'm feeling, or I don't think I'm very good at going out and finding new friends. Or you you can start to really pay attention to the nuances of what you're thinking about. And instead of just saying, oh, God, here I go again. I'm so sick. I'm so damaged. I'm so your body and your mind are a single unit. We're we're connected. And so your body is talking to you. Mm -hmm. I think that if you can listen to what it is that you're feeling, you're feeling shame, you're feeling regret or you're feeling scared or, um, you know, maybe it's just 
replaying something over and over and over. Maybe it's that kind of a loop, but there's a reason for it. There's something, you know, maybe it's that you feel slighted or you feel that you're misunderstood. You know, these are, your body is talking to you. It's saying there's something that needs to be addressed. So yeah, by stepping back and being neutral about it, you can pay attention instead of just to saying, oh, I need to get rid of this. You can say, oh, what is it that I need to, you know, to identify and change in my life that will help me move um, positively beyond this? I mean, in in our culture, we are not allowed to take the time that we need (laughs) to feel better and to make changes and to move on. But one to three years, man, that's what it takes. And there's no getting around it. The only way around it is through it. And so to go through it and to feel um, the negativity in a positive way, if you will, um, that means looking at possible triggers. You know, what is it that made me start thinking about this? If you can't identify it, then move on to, you know, am I, am I just, Am I just replaying this in my mind by default, which definitely happens. And so you can say something as simple as stop, not, you know, hard on yourself, but just stop and let me think about some other things. Let me think about things that I'm grateful for. And I know that sounds like really, you know, kind of, you know, airy fairy, but it is really helpful to stop and breathe, take two or three deep breaths. I mean, just to center yourself, say, okay, just stop, take three deep breaths. And now what are five things around me right now? Just get back in the present, you know, get back in the present, stop thinking about what's going to happen in the future. Stop thinking about what's happened in the past. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. How much I I sometimes struggle with this um, because a lot of advice I see from, from guys, from, from just regular guys is distract yourself. Think about you know, go, go do other things, but how mm-hmm. much of that can be also, I don't know if dangerous isn't the right word, but, but uh, harmful. Because, Counterproductive. Yeah. Because I, if, I mean, as you said earlier, like, you know, uh, you go through it, right. You, you, you don't, you don't, you don't try to avoid it, but there is a, and I agree that there is some distraction necessary because you can't, you can't live in it all the time, right. You have to find That's something right. else to occupy your mind, but how do you, how is there, what is the balance there? It's um, a good question. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is an answer, but I, I, I sometimes worry, especially for men that we can just be like, oh, I'm just going to be a workaholic. And then that, yep. that ultimately will kind of bite you in the butt too, because you're, you're just ignoring what had happened. And so there's, I think there's yeah. a, a bit of a balance there that's necessary. hundred percent. I mean, distraction is great. And you know, if, if there's, it's, it's one of the things that you should be doing is, you know, finding ways not just to distract yourself, but positive ways to distract yourself. You know, it's really easy to to want to maybe take a drink or, you know, um, do things that are more self-destructive, workaholic, you know, sure. that kind of behavior. So balance is key. Recognizing distraction is is a good choice. Sometimes making healthy choices means kind of, you know, one thing that you can do is say, I'm not going to think about this. I'll think about this from three to five today. You know? right. Just yeah. set, a, set boundaries for I yourself. Yeah, or um, another thing that you can do is say, I'm going to write, I'm, I'm obsessing. I'm going to go out for a run. Going out for a run is a great thing to do or going to the gym or whatever. Yeah. 
because if you can, you know, kind of get yourself a little tired, get some oxygen rich blood circulating through your system, those thoughts will go right out of your head, at least for a short period. You come home, they're going to come right back probably, (laughs) but you know, distraction, distraction is, is a great thing. Um, I think if you, instead of thinking about it as distraction, think about a bigger basket that call it something like self-soothing or self-love. And so that in that basket, there are things like distraction, like things that you'd like to do, maybe, you know, taking yourself to a movie, calling up a friend, um, finding new ways to make friends, um, teams, leagues, uh, you know, hobbies, that kind of thing. Um, Learn, but learning how to self-soothe also means learning how to sit with what you're feeling mm-hmm. <laughs> and finding ways to alleviate it. And I think you have to give yourself some time to practice that. Sure. Or all you do is spend time running around trying to avoid yeah. the pro- you know the the issues. And it's not a, it's just the way the healing cycle works. It's it's like grief, you know, you, you, you have to go through the, the phases and yeah. it's not that it's not real. It's kind of like, just not done yet. It, it yeah. takes a while, right? So, yeah. you know, well, you can't yeah. eat a cake if it's just been put in the oven, you have to wait till right. it cooks. And that's what kind of this cycle of healing is about. Yeah. One, one of the things I see often, and we, t- we were talking about the cycle and, and it's not linear. Um, it's not even close to linear. And, and one of the things that I caution guys against quite frequently is certainty. You know, when you're certain you're, Oh, I'm, I'm over it. And it's, and it hasn't been <laughs> a, one to three years. Right. I, I always, I say, well, hey, easy. And, and if you're certain you're over it because it's another, uh, another relationship, Again, red flag, red alarm, whatever you want to call it, but but also the certainty that you're uh, you're never going to be okay. This is terrible. I'm ne- my life is over. I always right. caution against that. Um, I don't know what. How do you feel about being you know certain? Uh, bef- uh, you know, at, at any point during this journey, isn't that a little bit? I always find it a little bit dangerous when I when I see guys say, "Oh, I am over this," and it's like, right. "Well, is it? Are you? Or are you just having a good day?" Well, I mean, that's, again, another great question or great point, I should, I should say, because you don't really get over it. I mean, you find a way, healthy way to address change, especially traumatic change, is to realize that what you're doing is integrating it. You're finding a place in your heart and in your life that will be positive that will lead you to post-traumatic growth versus bitterness, depression, anxiety, shame. So what you're doing is saying, I need to take all of those parts, the negative parts, but there are positive parts. I mean, you did fall in love. You did, maybe you had kids, you know, maybe you had some good years. I mean, all of those things need to get integrated, which is why it takes one to three years. That's normal grief. And after normal grief, there is protracted grief. There's a kind of grief, you know, it can be more than that. That's because you have to find a way to integrate it, to become a whole person and to realize that's always going to be a painful loss. It's like, if someone dies, you don't just say, I'm not going to think about them anymore. You know, there's somebody that you loved and you want to find a place for them that doesn't always hurt, but chances are it's going to have moments of, you know, sadness for the 
you know, when you think about that relationship, yeah. because it's, it's sad. Yeah. It's also probably joyous and it's probably yeah. also healthy that you're making this, this change. Yeah. Um, it's hard to feel them all at the same time, but yeah, definitely saying that I'm over it. I mean, it's especially sometimes there's this period of denial yes. <laughs> so and relief. You're just happy it's, that that right. phase is over. Right. But maybe there's more to come. Also, oh. these things happen in waves, right? Oh, so yeah. it's not like a steady linear path. No. To, you know, it's like this. So yeah. you're up and down and up and down. So, yeah, you're having a good day. Yeah. Maybe you're over some part of it. Sure. But, yeah, it comes. It can come wailing back on you. Yeah, for sure. I it waves, roller coasters, whatever it is that is not linear in any fashion. It's not a hill. It's not a steady climb. It's more yeah. like, um, oh, I'm feeling good. Okay, you're feeling good. All right, here. How about this memory? Right. I think I, I think in some ways the brain. I don't. I don't know if it's true, but I feel like sometimes the brain says, "Oh, you're doing good. Well, here's one. Now, now, you're, now that you're a little better. Okay, cool. Now maybe you can handle this one. So, well, but, I think that's true, though. I mean, because yeah. that's what integration is. That's what yeah. the process is. Is your body protects you, yep. and it doesn't let it can't. You can't experience it all at once. You end up in a corner drooling. Yeah, for, for sure. So you mentioned something that I have yet to uh, address, but I want to, and and we don't have to go too far down this rabbit hole. But you mentioned post traumatic growth. Um, I know. A, um, the phrase, but I, I, and I understand the concept a little bit, but I don't know much about it. Um, I hate to, to sort of put you on the spot because we didn't talk about this beforehand, but can you talk a little bit about that? What post-traumatic growth is? Sure. I mean, there's stress, right? And there are, uh, there's loss sure. and what can happen is stress or trauma can lead you to growth through integration of what's happened and developing healthy choices, a lifestyle that allows that to integrate. Or you can go to a place where you just don't, like you said, either through, through running so fast, you don't take the time to heal or by um, becoming bitter and angry and thinking that that's reality. Um, Because it's not your reality is, is what you make of it. That might take a little bit of time, but bitterness and anger and depression are not are not necessary in your life. And so to choose post-traumatic growth means a conscious process yeah. of saying, I want to take this trauma and make something good out of it. And that has to be a conscious choice. You have to, I mean, the easy, the default is bitterness (laughs) and anger. And so you have to say, you know, I can, I can either sit and dwell in this. Well, let me just stop there. You, you, you can't, you have to experience that. You don't want to just say, no, I'm not bitter. No, I'm not angry or no, I'm fine. I'm going to be, you know, post-traumatic growth. That's me. You know, it's again, allowing yourself the normal healing process, realizing that everybody goes through those feelings of bitterness and anger, but that's not bitterness and anger can coexist with joy and growth. Um, And so realizing it's a complex uh, process. And I I guess, I guess that that's the main thing is to realize that you have agency. Um, And that is so important to realize that, you have agency. 
Sometimes it feels like you don't because that bitterness and anger just hangs around. But that's often because you're not ready to let go of it yet. You know, you're pissed or you're hurt, you know, and you're not ready to, you know, to say, I am ready to move on. I'm ready to let that go. And if there's, if you need to have it in your life a little bit longer, if you recognize that it's your decision, that you have agency, that at some point you will allow yourself to let go of that and move on, it makes it easier. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's possible? I mean, I shouldn't say it's, it's not. Do you think it's much easier to to navigate something like this with a, a therapist and a coach? Like, I, I think the answer is obvious, but don't, because I think you need that outside view, that unbiased view that says, you're not quite there yet. It's only been three months or six months or, or are you sure? I don't, don't you think like something like a coach or a therapist is really important to, to help? I mean, I think so. Sure. I mean, you, if you have a good social network with a lot of friends, you know, perhaps they can, they can help out. Um, If you have a a church or a religious figure, you know, that might be helpful. The thing about a therapist, what a therapist can provide is a neutral point in your journey. So um, to have someone that doesn't have a vested interest in you at all, other than being there to support you and to guide you, that can be extremely helpful. Whereas a friend, they're going to side with you. you I mean, that's their job is to, is to support you in a different way. And so having someone that's really neutral, it can be helpful. Um, And if for, for people who are going through a difficult time in their life, it's, I mean, we're going to have blind spots. That's just how we are. We're like you, how you said, you know, you, you experience something that you can experience a little bit more than you can experience a little bit more. You don't see the whole picture. So yeah, having somebody that can help you kind of navigate the situation, really helpful, <laughs> really yeah. helpful. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, positive thought loops because if there is a, a a negative, there must be a positive. So how do you, what, what are they? How do you foster that? Um, let's talk about that. Talk about that a little bit. Right. So I think the first thing, again, just to reiterate this is realizing that you do have agency. You have the capacity to turn something negative into something positive. It just takes work. And that's the truth. It's like going yeah. to the gym. Yep. You know, you go to the gym, you don't end up walking out of there looking, you know, like right. a Greek god. Right. <laughs> it takes work. It takes yeah. dedication and it yeah. takes focus. So there are things that you can do. Um, eating well and exercising is not a small thing. Your body and your mind are connected. It's really easy to be self-destructive and not care about those things, but it really helps to take care of your mind and your body in a very um, basic way. Uh, creative activities are great. Writing it in a journal um, mm. can be especially helpful, especially if you're not really tuned in to your um, feelings, mm. learning how to identify what you're feeling and say it. I feel angry. You know, that's cool. You know, that doesn't mean you're an angry person. It means that you feel angry, you know, or yeah. you feel you feel hurt. And understanding the difference between anger and hurt is really yeah. important. So sometimes writing just train of, you know, kind of whatever's on your mind, just writing, 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 just don't lift the pen, just keep going for 15 minutes or something like that. Um, And then any creative activities are really, really helpful. So turning on music and dancing, I know that seems kind of, you know, like a nutty thing to do, but really singing, dancing, really Mm -hmm. helpful. Singing actually calms the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is involved in fight or flight. So, you know, singing and humming actually can calm that down and take you out of fight or flight. Um, 
Also, the good sleep is so important. Getting yeah. at least seven hours of sleep at night can help the healing process considerably. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, self-love. Self-love means saying positive things to yourself. Um, seriously, that has to be a deliberate process because the tendency <laughs> is not to say nice things to yourself. No, so positive sure self-talk yeah, is yeah, really yeah. important. Forgiving yourself when you mess up, yeah. recognizing you're going to make mistakes, you're going to, you know, blow it and yeah. starting over, just start seeing it, letting it go and starting over. Yeah. Um, also asking for help, mm. you know, learning to realize that you don't have to have all the answers. If you don't have friends, realizing that, you know, you need to get up, you, you need to have a social support system. Yeah. They don't have to be your best confidants, but you need to at least have buddies or playmates or whatever um going for walks in nature or being involved in nature in any way research shows that helps to heal and provide a positive soothing um i mean just going for a walk in nature or just looking at nature actually if you look at um if you were to look at videos of nature on the computer versus videos of landscape like urban landscapes you will feel calmer and um, and more positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then other things like accepting your imperfections, um, setting realistic expectations, one to three years, not tomorrow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So you 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 uh, you know you're a psychiatrist. So you you probably psychologist. Been doing, sorry, psychologist. You've been mm -hmm. probably been doing this for a little while. Have, and I'm sure I know the yeah. answer to this question. But have you seen some pretty um, drastic growth. Have you seen someone go from the depths of despair to the happiest they've ever been in their life? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, constantly that, that, that is, that's what we all do. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we all do it in little ways yeah. every day. And there's no one that you will see in this world as an adult that hasn't encountered trauma. Mm. All of those people are walking down the street and still with us because they have in some way managed, you know, their trauma. But, to, but specifically when it comes to the loss of someone that was in our life, either through your decision or through their decision. And it's harder if it's their decision, it's a right. lot harder because you lose your power. Yeah. Um, but you will get better grief you know that old saying time heals yeah. it's not actually true time does help though yes and um, you know agree. just letting breathing through the days letting the days pass by you without don't look down the road you know two years look right now try to stay present try to stay grounded and breathe and time will pass and as time passes that definitely helps yeah. if you apply some of these things that we've talked about today you know, you will heal. And if you can't heal, there are people that can, you know, be with you that can, they can, you know, make that a lot more effective. But I should say this, you won't heal if you don't apply yourself, yeah. probably you will, you know, it's an active process. Yes, it is. You know, you have to, you have to work at it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You you mentioned something, and and this might turn into a rabbit hole, but I, I don't think it will. But you mentioned power. 
You mentioned mm-hmm. your, your loss of power and that's a hundred percent. I can, yeah. cause it wasn't, cause it wasn't my decision. And, and that's, that's, I mean, there's so many things and dynamics that happen when that happens. And that's one of them. You feel helpless and powerless. Yeah. What are some ways, uh, again, I don't think this would be too much. I think we probably touched on a lot Good. of it, but, but mm-hmm. what are some ways to, to get your power back if someone else decided to end the marriage and, and you lost your power? Right. I think it's a, it's a, good point to talk about. Um, so if you're in a relationship, even if it's a bad relationship, <laughs> you know, you're still moving through your day in a way that's comfortable in the sense that it's familiar. Sure. And so if someone says to you, I'm done with you, your natural inclination is to try to keep that from happening yes. because being shafted, which is what it feels like yes. to be, you know, to feel like someone has rejected you, yeah. to feel like that you don't have the capacity to fix it. That is, that's harsh. Yeah. I mean, that's really harsh. So the tendency is to try to scramble and to try to make that not happen. But the, the thing is, is that that is a feeling that is because you don't want to lose you don't want to, you don't want to be helpless. You don't want to be in a position. So what you need to do to regain your power, first thing is to sit with it, you know, to, to let yourself feel powerless, to let yourself feel like I'm, I've experienced loss. There are stages of grief. That's what you're going through. So being aware of those and then very much realizing that the things that we've talked about will re-up your power. You want to set boundaries with that relationship Mm. and boundaries with yourself. You know, no midnight calls after a couple of years because you lose more power that way. You're not gaining your power. That's setting boundaries with yourself and saying they're rules. I'm going to set up rules. I don't care if you have to post them on your refrigerator, you know, they're rules. And that means, uh, you know, learning a different way perhaps of having the relationship with that person. Um, that enforces those rules. And you can say something very simply like, you know, I've got, I've had to set up boundaries for myself. You don't have to be, you know, a jerk about it. You can just say, I've I've set up these boundaries and I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to, you know, live by them at least for a little while. I'd appreciate that being something that, you know, we both understand. If that doesn't work, if just there's too much rancor, just implement them yourself. Um, And then, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a good social mm-hmm. support system. So doing what you need to do, if you're not good at making friends, you're not alone. Most people are not, but there are things yeah. that you can do to gratify that social need and give you support, like, you know, meetups or going to, you know, finding, like finding a group that you don't have to participate in too much, right. but that you can just, do you know the construct of co-regulation? No, I do not. So co-regulation. Co-regulation is when other people help you, you know, you kind of adjust to what they're feeling. Like if you've ever been around somebody who's really angry and it makes your heartbeat, you know, accelerate. And if you meet someone that's really calm Mm. and you have sustained eye contact with them, you will actually co-regulate with their nervous system. Now you can do that individually as well by breath work, you know, by really, you know, meditation, yoga, that kind of thing, really being mindful 
Um, but co-regulation is something that to some degree you can do with a pet. You know, looking into your eyes of your beloved pet is really co-regulating. You, you'll calm right down. Even watching fish is co-regulating. Sure. Um, but realizing that being in a group of people that are kind and supportive, that lift you up in some way, that co-regulation, there is no substitute for it. And that is power. That is learning self-love. That is being, say, putting boundaries and saying, I, I can't hang out with people that are negative. Even if they're being, they think they're being positive. If they make me feel bad or if they make me angry or if they, you know, wind me up, I need to perhaps limit being around them right now and be around, you know, people that are, able to lift me up and uh, have that co-regulation with them. Yeah. I, I wasn't aware of the concept. It makes, it makes a ton of sense. I think, um, you know, we mentioned a couple of times, you know, your, your social um, support, you know, uh, having a tribe of folks that uh, you can lean on and, and not only, you know, um, in this instance, in terms of, Oh, I'm, I'm really struggling with something. Can you guys help me with this? But just in life in general, because, um, I am, I am not a car guy, but I drive them. And sometimes <laughs> like I might need some, like, I don't know how to, you know, there's certain things I just don't know how to do, but if I mm-hmm. have someone that I can call, um, within the, you know, my social group that can help me and, and there, and those kinds of scenarios exist, not just cars. I mean, it could be anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think, and it's, and it's really hard for men for, for, and, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's hard for women. I, I, I suppose there are probably different challenges around that, um, but I know for men, especially for whatever reason, we love to isolate. We love mm-hmm. to just, uh, just not, you know, turn inward. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Big time. We, we, we all, I got it. I'll do it on my own. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a struggle that I have, but, uh, you know, to try and get men to, and, and, and me too, I have those moments too, where it's like, I just want the world to leave me alone. Sure. But it's, 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 I think, um, if we don't try and embrace, creating our tribe so to speak uh especially during this process i think i think we're at, we're at a disadvantage that is in some ways easy to fix i mean the internet can connect us mm-hmm. uh pretty easily nowadays and so um i don't know if you see that in, in any clients you've had you know uh, in men that it's 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 just hard to get men at least in my view to get them to to open up and to be to be open to new experiences, new people, and, and just putting themselves out there. I mean, I think, again, going back to kind of the roles that yeah. we're socialized into, yeah. it's it's more common for men to feel like they, they should be handling this themselves. They shouldn't right. feel weakness. They shouldn't feel right. sad. Right. And if they do, they're certainly not going to tell anybody about it because it shows their weakness. Yeah. And that's fine if you want to, you know, put on a facade for work or, you know, have a persona for situations where you need to be professional, but we are all human and you're, and one's gender does not change grief. (laughs) It has nothing to do with it. If you're going through um, grief through a period of loss and reorganization of your priorities, you know, you, you need help. You need people to lean on and, I can't stress enough. It's not just going out and drinking with your friends. Yeah. It's, it's finding people who are able to talk and you're able, you don't have to go on and on about it, but at least to be able to say, I'm sad. Yeah. I'm having a hard time. Yeah. Um, I, can we go out and do something positive? 
It can be as simple as that. That is plenty if that's all you're comfortable with. But that alone and finding those people who will understand what you're saying, not the people that will go out and just start slamming your ex and winding you up because it's not helpful. I mean, it it just takes you to that negative place. You will be back in those negative thought loops (laughs) so fast, right? So going out and maybe you need to talk about it. Maybe you need to say, this is just so hard. Or how do I, do you have any advice or, you know, you know, you need to talk about it. Definitely. And it is harder. I mean, not all men, not all women, obviously, but it is, by societal um, kind of indoctrination, yeah, Yeah. pressure. It is harder for men, definitely. And it's easy for men in situations where they've been wounded to just want to go lick their wounds and be insular. And it's, it's not that there's not a time and place for that, but it'll lead to bad things <laughs> if, it, <laughs> if it goes on too long that, you know, problems with your health, problems yeah. with your social life, problems yep. with self-destructive behavior. Cause yep. self-destructive behavior doesn't have to be active. It can just be that thought loop over and over just tearing you down. And, yeah. you know, that's yeah. just self-destructive behavior. No, hundred percent. I agree. Well, uh, Dr. Jerome, I, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, this has been amazing. Um, so the last question that I yeah. ask everybody is what words of wisdom would you impart to a man just beginning his divorce journey? I'm so sorry. I mean, I don't think there's really many things harder. There is nothing harder than loss, yeah. nothing. And divorce is extremely hard because the person's still there and you're having to oftentimes negotiate with them, especially if they're kids. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. Allow yourself to see that this is a tough one and be kind to yourself. And when you're, you know, being a jerk, forgive yourself (laughs) and start over and realize that it's up to you to make those changes, but it is not going to happen fast it is normal grief is one to three years and there's no way around it. It is an opportunity. However, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to reprioritize, yeah. you know, what's important to you. It's an opportunity to look at the relationships that you have and say, what did I like about this? And what do I want to change? If you have kids, it's an opportunity to get to know them in a whole new way to really let them see both your vulnerability and also your interest in them. Putting the interest in other people, really helpful. Taking it off of yourself, you know, doing things like volunteer work or spending time with your kids in a positive way. You know, all of those things are really gifts, even though it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, no, it certainly doesn't. Thank you. Uh, Excellent words of wisdom. Uh, How can people find you? Uh, What's the best way to get in touch or or to Um, read your work? Uh-huh. Well, I have a, a, I'm on psychology today. I, I post on there and I have a website, um, leejerome.com, um, which is my uh, website for, um, you know, for therapy. Um, you can also go to relational space if you're interested. That's relational-space.org. And that's the art and science gallery. Um, that sounds awesome. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, it reminds me of, um, I, I went out to, I was traveling for work and went to Kansas city and, uh, they, they have this, uh, I don't know if this is what similar to what you're talking about, but mm-hmm. they have this, uh, Vincent van Gogh, uh, exhibit, oh, the immersive exhibit. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was yeah. amazing. I highly recommend that. So if you're oh, doing yeah. any, anything in that space, <laughs> I find that stuff fascinating. It's pretty interesting. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting bringing, um, 
kind of information, like factual information together or artists together with scientists to come up with ways of trying to, you know, share knowledge that in an entertaining awesome. way. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. sounds <laughs> awesome. So thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate it. We'll definitely have yeah, you back on terrific. and uh, we'll uh, we'll have some more discussions because I think there's much more to be discussed in this topic. So again, thank, thank you very you. much. I appreciate it. It's nice being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great day. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Since my separation in July of 2019, I have done an incredible amount of work on myself. I've had many different therapists, life coaches, and went through different programs. I've taken all that I've learned and put it into my own program called Forged by Fire. If you are interested in having me help you navigate your divorce, please hit my website, risingphoenixdivorcecoach.com. I look forward to working with you.